particular 911 call. Ordinarily, 911 calls have to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. Um, and I think that uh, Pitts and Spratlin and Grimes uh, all kind of indicate that. So I got to look at that. But also I'm looking at the fact that I, you know, her her statement is I have no idea, baby, I promise you. Tell you all, I don't know. The only thing I know is she came running. She came to my house. She told me that a guy, that the guy that shot, that shot someone named Young Thug or whoever that's supposed to be shot someone, and that guy is in her house. So we don't really have, I mean, there's no granularity. I, I agree with Mr. Steele about what is actually going on. I could, I could parse out several hypotheticals of what she calls or claims may have happened and um, it's unlike Pitts and the other cases where you've got somebody who's making that call you're basically it's already in a it's already in a third party situation because she's relating kind of what's what she's what she thinks is going on now so that's kind of what I have to kind of decide to begin with. Is it is it is the call primary purpose testimonial uh, for the purposes of prosecution or gathering information for later? I can see how it could be either one, but I have to kind of take a look at the facts and circumstances to make a determination as to that. So, but unlike Pitts, the. The victim is making those calls. So, Judge. So, in this case, you got a third party who really doesn't kind of. We don't have granularity of what she's talking about. I mean, and so I have some problems with that to begin with. So, I would like to separate out and point out that the content of the call, the fact that there is a matter that she is trying to get the police there to address and the um, the credibility of the content of the call is a matter again that I believe belongs within is it hearsay and is there an exception before we get to what she is saying as it relates to whether or not this is trustworthy and I believe with respect that that is what um, the crux of that particular issue that the courts just pointed out is it trustworthy this is a third person making a call about something she just experienced so is what she is saying trustworthy I, I'll give you that much but and so for, for the purposes of that your honor I believe that that will fall after the court makes that determination as to the confrontation clause and as in Davis versus Washington um, your honor 547 U.S. 813 at 822, uh, the United States Supreme Court distinguished, of course, testimonial and non-testimonial um, um, statements, saying that um, non-testimonial statements, uh, when made uh, during a police 
interrogation under circumstances that objectively indicate the primary purpose of the interrogation is to enable police assistance to meet an ongoing emergency. And that is exactly what, even if she says, it's, it's like, it's, it's not an emergency, don't make a big deal out of this, come get this person out of my neighbor's house. Essentially, that's what she's saying. I don't want to call the reason she says, and it is apparent from the call, objectively listening to it, the reason she says it's it's not an emergency, even though her voice is panicked, is that I she, don't think her voice is panicked. She's just she's kind of just talking. I mean, she's talking in low tones. I don't I don't I don't at least from the court's perspective, I'll disagree with you. I don't think yes, Your Honor. I don't think it's an emergency. Your Honor. I, I mean, and, he, and he, she herself says it's not an emergency. She's like I said, I got to look at the primary purpose for the call. Is the primary purpose for the 911 call to provide information that may be used later, or is it for an emergency or some other reason? Pitts kind of distinguishes that because you got somebody who's getting their, for lack of a better word, their behind torn up, and she's and she's and she's calling, and they're certainly. Certainly, where it can be argued that she, that that truly is that truly is an emergency. In this particular circumstance, it seems like she's relating information um, because that's the first thing out of her mouth. I can't discount that. The first thing out of her mouth she says, it's not emergency because nine one one. What's your emergency? Uh, and she's not saying, "Hey, my neighbor is getting blah blah blah," or that that I heard this and and this and I've seen this and that's kind of where we are. Where she's relating a third party. I mean, and that's kind of the that that's that's the, the issue of whether or not I got a struggle is whether or not it's testimony or or for the purpose of primary purpose. Okay, I can see how I, I understand the state's argument. I understand the defense argument, but that's what I got to kind of wrestle with to begin with, and then I'll decide whether or not it falls under any of the exceptions to. Um, to the hearsay rule, I, I agree, with Mr. Steele. You didn't give notice under the residual hearsay, so I'm not going to. So, I'm not going to consider it under that. Your Honor, and Mr. Steele um, did point out the very last argument that we made, um, and uh, sort of went past the first two. But going back, you need to focus on whether it's testimonial, because if I don't find it's testimonial, I'm, I don't have to go to the other two, the other second prong. First step is if it's testimonial, it ends there. If it's if it's if I find that it's not testimonial, then I'll move to whether or not it falls within a hearsay exception. But I'm not convinced it's not testimonial yet. Now, I'd ask the court to look at Varner versus the state, 306 Georgia 726. Your Honor, and in Varner, the court stated... What's the citation? Three what? 306, uh -huh. Georgia, 726, specifically at Penn Site 731, Your Honor. And it's on page 6 of 10 of the copy that I believe was provided to the court by Defendant Williams of Varner. Think you have Varner. Okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm before I start telling you that. No, I don't have Varner. Okay. It's at Penn Site 731, and that was again 306 Georgia 726 at 731, Your Honor.
for the purposes of a trial. She says, who was shot? She's saying, I'm, I don't know. Look, all that I know is my neighbor came running to my house and she told me that the guy that shot somebody, that shot somebody named Young Thug or whoever that's supposed to be, shot somebody and the guy is in her house. So I don't know how y'all can do that. I'm trying to get her out of the house and she won't answer her phone. I just tried to call her phone and she got her baby and her mama in there. And then they're trying to get information from the caller that could be used later in a future prosecution. Okay, you want, do you want your name or number? She says, no, please do not call me back. He knows my children and uh-uh, no, I don't want him to come back and retaliate against me. And then the caller is the operator is saying, "Okay, all right, ma'am, where are you? Just do you want to give me at least where where she is? She's given the description, the Summerdale townhomes, not the old Summerdale, the new ones." And then she's saying, basically, everybody is standing out there, so apparently she's trying not to be loud. She doesn't even want the people outside to hear her. And she says, I'm trying to get her out of the house and her mama, but they won't answer the phone and she don't know what to do. She's panicking. Building C, come around and come through the gate and come around. Um, I'm not sure what the number is on her apartment, her apartment number. Please don't tell anybody I made this call, but come around. She is imploring them to come. This is the epitome of somebody imploring another person, please come give assistance. I believe that there is an ongoing danger. Without saying my neighbor could be dead, her mama could be hurt. She's saying the words that she believes will get the police to her. She's telling them, like, this is, there is, there's danger here. This is not just, if she was just calling to say, I just want to say, I want you all to have record. I mean, I've called um, to report a tree being in the road, you know, and I'll say it's not an emergency, but somebody needs to come and move this tree. It's in the middle of the road, and I'm seeing people swerving. Somebody needs to come and remove this tree now. I'm not calling for the purpose of establishing testimony for a future prosecution. I'm calling to have somebody come remove the tree in the road. And in the same way, when she called, she's saying, I don't, I'm not, I'm not calling, you know, for, to, to set this up in any future way, but I need you to come get this man out this woman's house. All right, let's put a pin in that. Move on to the, do you believe if I, if, if I do find it's not testimonial, how are you going to overcome or what hearsay exception does it fall under? Because it's clearly hearsay. Two so hearsay what, exceptions. What exceptions do you have? And, and also, how do you deal with the fact that you have no known speakers? You don't have any declarants. Two. Um, and you've got basically, you've got double hearsay. Double, double hearsay. Double hearsay. So. And of course, Your Honor, in 24-8805, um, the new evidence code specifically, specifically addresses hearsay within hearsay. So it's not like a, a taboo subject. Hearsay included with hidden hearsay shall not be excluded under the hearsay rule if each part of the combined statement conforms with an exception to the hearsay rule. So let's start with the internal hearsay, if you will. The person coming to her apartment, because that's the most deeply embedded one. She describes her as coming to the apartment in a panic. Her mother and her child are in the apartment. 
she needs help and she's scared and she goes back she relays to her he just shot somebody he's in my apartment it's apparent that it's well known what's happening because she's describing everybody is out here. She is in the Somerdale, in the community that is um, the area where the shots took place, where the court will hear evidence of officers and they're responding to this shooting that took place. So everybody can hear it. She's there. She's relaying to her neighbor in a panic. The neighbor is describing the neighbor's present sense impression was she's observing this person in a panic. This person in a panic is making excited, excited utterances to the neighbor that calls 911. So the excited utterance comes from the person who the neighbor calls 911 to gain assistance for. This panicked friend of this caller comes to her in a panic. She's telling her, my mama and my child are in the house. And this man, young thug, who just shot somebody, just shot somebody or a shooting just occurred involving this person is in my house. She doesn't even tell her to call now. One, she just comes to her for help. She's not trying to um, to establish anything. Of course, the courts put a pin in the confrontation clause issue, but she's not even trying to establish anything for any future prosecution. She's just trying to get help. And the neighbor, being a good neighbor, she's like, I can't help him. You know, I don't have any. I don't have any way to help. I, I don't want anybody. I got kids. He'll come after my kids. So she calls and then tells the police her present sense impression. She is relaying information that she got. And she herself is still under the neighbor that calls. She's still under the impression of what just occurred. She's still under the stress of her neighbor having come to her in a panic. But it's not an emergency. Remember, she started out by saying that. It's an ongoing danger. It, emergency or ongoing danger. The court literally addresses them both and doesn't say, and it says, to avert a crime in progress or to seek assistance in a situation involving immediate danger. So where I might not consider a tree across a road where there's heavy traffic coming fast an emergency, the, the police may well might, the person that hits the tree and crashes, you know, and ends up paralyzed may well might have considered it an emergency. The fact that I don't use the word emergency doesn't make it any less of an effort to seek assistance in a situation involving immediate danger. Her words reflect she's panicked, she's not answering her mother and her child. She has said every hot button word that would get assistance quickly to any objectively listening person. If, if someone called you and said, it said those very same words to you, if a neighbor of yours called you and said, oh my God, Sally across the way just called, she just came over here panicked, and now she's in the house and she's not answering. She just came over here. She said this guy that just shot somebody is in her house. I'd ask your honor, what would your honor think? And what would your honor do? Would your honor consider that call from your neighbor, one that the neighbor is being is making to establish some future prosecution? Or would your honor immediately go and try and gain help for that person that your neighbor just told you about? 
your honor may well go over there yourself and see, okay, this is, this is, this is a dire situation. Would your honor not consider that an immediate danger situation that needed addressing immediately? If someone called you and said exactly what this person said to her, judge, I, I, I don't know, but our neighbor just came over here in a panic. Somebody's in her house. A shooting just occurred, and she came over here in a panic, and her mother and her child are in there, and she doesn't know what to do. Can you go get them out? She's simply asking for assistance in what she perceives as an ongoing danger, an ongoing threat. There's, there's not a way to perceive this as less than her attempting to gain assistance in a situation involving immediate danger. So the fact that she is telling the 911 operator what excited utterances she just heard the neighbor make, and the fact that she herself is conveying to the 911 operator her immediate impression, her own her own stress that she's under. So How can it, I tell that? How can, I mean, I, I understand the, the, the original declarants coming, hey, coming running and saying somebody's in my house, okay? But what do I, how, how do you, the second, that's the original declarant, the second declarant, how do you come up with the fact that she falls within that particular um, exception? Yes, Your Honor. She falls within two. So the first one that I would say that she falls within, Your Honor, is presence's impression. And of course, that falls under um, 24 8031 describing or explaining an event or condition made while or immediately after the declarant perceived it. She said, my neighbor just came over here in a panic. She doesn't know what to do. Somebody, I stay over here in Somerdale. The guy, the guy that shot the guy over here off Cleveland Avenue, he's, he's in, not he was, he is, is in my friend's Nim apartment, and she is panicking. She doesn't know what to do. Not she was, not she had been, not she used to be. She is now, right now, he is in her apartment, and right now she is panicking, and right now she doesn't know what to do. She's saying, right now, police everywhere out here. She's saying, was somebody shot recently? She says, yes, about five police everywhere out here. She says, it's over, we are over here on Cleveland Avenue. Old Hapeville and Cleveland Avenue. I don't want to talk loud. People are still right there. I don't want to get myself, I don't want to get anybody in any trouble. My friend, she panicking. She is panicking, not she was, and she don't know what to do. But she got her baby and her mama in there. Not she had, not she used to be, not she was. Her baby and her mama are in there. I just tried to call her. I just 
Not 20 minutes ago I called and she didn't pick up. I just tried to call her. She cannot make it any more apparent that this is something that she is perceiving right in that moment. She dialed 911 because she can't get the panicking friend who is in her apartment with the man that shot somebody and her baby and her mama while police everywhere out here. And I'm going to talk low so can't nobody hear me so I don't get in trouble. And, and don't tell him that you even got this call because I don't want him to come and retaliate against me. And I got kids that he might harm. She can't make it any more apparent that this is something that she is experiencing and that her friend is experiencing as she is talking to the 911 operator. Additionally, Your Honor, I would argue that the caller, the 911 caller, under 24-88032, is making an excited utterance. Because even if she is not sounding panicked to the court, her hushed voice, she is sounding out of breath at times. She is saying, ex expressing urgency through her words. She is relating a startling event or condition, the fact that she just came over here panicking and now she is not answering her phone. So her words are admissible under both the present sense impression, 24-88031, and the excited utterance, 24-88032, exceptions to the hearsay rule. And Your Honor, the excited utterance exception um, looks at, as with the present sense exception, it is not necessary that the statements be made contemporaneously with the startling event or condition. In other words, the panicking person doesn't have to be standing there panicking while she's making the call, relaying the information. She was startled by her neighbor coming to her telling her this information. Her neighbor is startled by somebody coming in her house that doesn't belong there, that was just involved in a shooting. Um, is there going to be other evidence um, through testimony, um, witnesses, and or other related 911 calls to this incident? There's... In as much, Your Honor, there is going to be other evidence that Jeffrey Williams was involved in this shootout with the with um, in the shooting and the. I'm talking about the the, the this particular incident on September the 11th of 2013. Meaning, because to your point, is there going to be some other evidence or some other testimony saying, hey? We were called to a blank incident involved at this location. Um, there are multiple 911 calls, or there are witnesses to to testimony to, to bring that out. Because you're telling me it was an emergency. So if there's other surrounding circumstances, as you said, I'm supposed to take a look at it in context, not a vacuum. Then. Um, that might be an issue I need to kind of consider because I'm only hearing one one snippet. So is there going to be more 
But there are context evidence to, there, to this particular issue. There and are. So actually. what is that context you're going to um, you're going to present? A few things. Um, as I said regarding the four people who um, jumped out of the car, there's going to be an officer's testimony that she was chasing them in a particular direction. That um, one went in one direction and another went in the opposite direction. And when she um, went to chase them over the wall that she was chasing them over. Um, she was called back and she had to put her attention on Frederick Prothro, which was a person who was shot during this incident. There will be testimony, I expect, from a witness who will say that while they were going over the while they were running from the police that shots were fired inside the car that young thug or Jeffrey Williams actually had a gun that he um, Walter Murphy and Frederick Prothro had a gun and that Jeffrey Williams was probably Jeffrey Williams or Walter Murphy was probably the person that actually fired the projectile that hit Frederick Prothro because while they were fleeing from the police um, three shots went off inside the car. Um, there will be uh, testimony that um, when they fled the police, that um, Defendant Williams ran in a particular direction, which we believe will be in the vicinity of the description that this caller gave um, for her friend's apartment. Um, there will be testimony that um, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. That's the general. Um, and then, of course, as I stated earlier, um, the 911 custodian of records in explaining to me, because I had the question, how did we get from 1038 to 1308? Was there a mix-up? And she specifically said no. When that call came in, when, this, when the 911 dispatcher sent it out, when they called it out, they were then told that call is related to the 1038 call. That is a part of this call up here. So that's how they even end up. They're on one CAD report that I have, and were it not marked up, I would show the court that particular CAD report. Um, so, And we do intend to introduce as evidence that CAD report that has that these are two related events. And in fact, the remaining uh, reports that uh, lead investigator Velazquez uses in the entirety of this investigation has that 911 call number attached to it. It's the entire case file is ending in 1308. So in fact, this particular case, the way that it even looks in all of the discovery given to everyone in this case, the case file case number ends in 1308, which is started and initiated by this call right here. And of course, um, the excited utterance exception doesn't require that a declarant express any particular emotion when making the statement. That was information that I shared with the court um, for the court's um, consideration when making the analysis, but it is not required. Um, and I, have two declarants, two, I have two declarants that aren't, aren't here, though, right? Yes. So how am I supposed to work my way through the, I mean, uh, through the through whether or not they'll fall within both exceptions to the hearsay. Well, as I stated, Your Honor, the first one um, is 
the caller herself describing her present sense impression, what she is perceiving. Okay, then, then you got this other unknown declarant who is, um, who is, who is perceiving this uh, from the first declarant. Right, and what she's perceiving is she's panicked and she doesn't know what to do. Okay. All right. I may have to hear a little bit more. All right, Mr. Steele, anything else? It's almost 11 o'clock. And, Your Honor, if um, the court wishes that I provide anything in particular, I will do that. Yes, ma'am. You'll address for me, the state is focusing on the issue that in the totality of the circumstances, is it can be deemed as an emergency. So how would you respond to that? They pointed out these different, different statements and also in the totality of what was going on at that point in time, um, why wouldn't this be an emergency situation? The state's um, recitation of facts are not accepted. Well, I'm looking. I'm just looking at the at the um, transcript you gave me, in addition to what the state's proffer is. So, I think some of the statements in here would be indicative of somebody who's trying to kind of, you know, who may be experiencing or making a call for an emergency situation. I'm just asking you for the argument. So, what, what would you say about that? First of all, without without conceding anything. How the information comes that young thug was shot or shot someone, we have no idea because that's supposedly at another time and there is no evidence that there was a shooting in the car. There is no evidence that there were four people in the car that the perpetrators are fleeing from the police. It is totally up in the air. You're going to see it because it's about to come out this week before your honorable court. There are three people in the car. There are some people say four. Some people say three people are men. One person's a woman. There's a woman driver, yet we have the actual person who was apprehended is a man driver. His name is Adrian Bean. This is a total fight, quote unquote. Um, and the only person who is on any 911 call to answer your question directly, saying anything about Young Thug, is this call. And we don't even know where that information comes from and who is supposedly shot. And there's no one shot on Cleveland Avenue. This is not a shot call. The police come out to a um, suspicious vehicle in that same apartment complex, Somerville apartment complex. Then Adrian Bean is driving a car and he and there's a there's an unrelated armed robbery of a man named Mr. Dotson who unfortunately passed away before our trial, unrelated to this case. The police see a, uh, Mr. Murphy flee back to the vehicle that Adrian Bean's in. Police tell him to stop, and that vehicle then strikes the police car. That's the second issue. There's nothing about a shooting on Cleveland Avenue. There's nothing about Jeffrey Williams or Young Thug being shot or shooting. And that information has to come from some source. That source is not here. So to answer your question, is it an ongoing emergency? No. No one says it's ongoing emergency except um, when no one says it because the caller says it's not an emergency. This is the only issue. It stands alone. Everything else is dealing with Adrian Bean 
Baltimore. What about the, there are police out here everywhere. My friend, she's panicking. She don't know what to do. Uh, she got her mama and her baby in there. I just tried to call her cell number. She's not responding. So, so, why, so how could that, or why would you say that's not an that's not an emergency without without dealing with this issue of the unknown female and the statements about? Because it ignores three factors. One, call starts as you, I heard you say twice, it's not an emergency. Second, the neighbor leaves the apartment to tell the caller, yet doesn't call the police herself, doesn't leave, flee the apartment, goes back to the apartment presumably. I don't know where she really goes, but the, the caller says she won't answer the phone, but then on the same call, the caller says, that's them calling me. So the, the, the neighbor who's in this quote-unquote panic has access to her phone. This is all, all of the hysteria and I'm talking low, all that is added for flavor of, by Miss Love. That's why we need the witnesses here to cross-examine. So I'm not conceding that it's an ongoing emergency because I'm taking the caller for what she said. All right. Give me a few minutes, folks. Okay. Thank you, sir. I'm being recessed. Into, uh, into evidence. Any objection to states 169? 
What's the basis for your objection? I'll re-objection. Mr. Mr. Sharp. Oh rule, sir. All right. Any further objections? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, states 169, Mike Kent has admitted and maybe published as you see fit. Thank you, Your Honor. Before the publishing of that, uh, the state is going to uh, go with the other two. Uh, Captain Page, uh, can you describe uh, what is states 171, Mike? 171 is actually the. Um, Initial page that you see on Odyssey where it shows the demographics and the charges of an inmate. Yes, and how do you know what that is? I do reports on Odyssey all the time, so I'm familiar with it. And is it the same or substantially the same as it was the last time you looked at Odyssey? Yes. Okay. And, uh, Your Honor, at this time, the state now moves to admit states 171 might be taxed. Any further objection to states 171? Uh, yes, Your Honor. We have checked on the grounds so that's information is hearsay information and it should be redacted based upon the uh, 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 No speaking objections is the basis hearsay? Yes, Your Honor. Oh. Okay. All right. I thought you took a look at it already. No, I didn't. All right, well, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yes, you may. Objection. Uh, that's fine. Well, the rules in regards to that. All right. I'm going to sustain the objection. Okay. All right. 
is behind you, uh, Captain Page. Uh, and you can also, for utilize this pointer, can you tell us to whom this record pertains to? Which exhibit you're talking about, sir? States 171, Mike. Okay. Mark Wavy is Huey. Okay. And uh, do you see Mark Wavy is Huey anywhere on that exhibit? This is his order right here. Okay. And can you tell the jury what is the arrest date associated with this record? May 25th, 2018. That's And uh, what was the date upon which uh, Mr. Huey was booked? May 26, 2018 at 1.58 a.m. And uh, is there a release date on this record associated with Mr. Huey? 5-27, 2018 at 9.11 p.m. Uh, and upon what charges was he booked? Reckless conduct, obstruction of law enforcement officer, carried concealed weapon, and death by receiving stolen property. And uh, you may be seated. And can you tell the jury what's the difference between a... Tell the jury what is the difference between a arrest date and a booking. The arrest date is generally the date that um, he was taken into custody by whatever agency arrested him, which would be APD. And um, sometimes they may very well be taken to a precinct or for an investigation, but the booking time is actually when they actually came into the Fulton County Jail, they were actually booked into a facility as an inmate. Okay. And can you tell the jury who the arresting officer was for this particular booking? Officer R. Henry with the Atlanta Police Department. State is now going to transition to those arguments and getting into evidence at States 169, Mike, and Paul. Were you? 
recently injured in a car accident. And uh, pertaining to this particular exhibit, who is who is it that we are looking at here? Mr. Marquardius Huey. And uh, is the, can you tell the jury uh, what type of profile this is? It's just a, a stand question. And uh, what kind of picture is this? It's a mugshot. It's a side view. Just rip it off. Yes, sir. Is that about right? 
That's what I said, yes. Okay, that would make him 22 as opposed to uh, 32, right? If my math serves me correctly, yes. Right, so the information, at least the date of birth, it looks like somebody put that information in incorrectly. It's wrong, right? I do not know. Okay. I mean, doing your math. I mean, I don't know if that's his official birthday or not, so I can't say. Okay, but if that's his official birthday, then that age is wrong, right? I guess so. Oh, I don't know. What else is wrong on this on this sheet? You know, anything else that you know? I do not know. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. So you know from, or you can tell from this document that it looks like Mr. Williams was arrested on the 9th, released on the 10th. You know that from the document, true? That is what I see. You know what he was doing on the 11th? I have the slightest idea. Uh, do you know whether he was arrested on the 15th? Objection calls for speculation, Your Honor. If he knows. I stand objection. I know anything about, I don't know anything about his arrest records. Okay. Um, do you have any personal knowledge to indicate uh, that he was arrested anywhere between September the 10th and September, let's say September the 30th of 2013. Anything to indicate that or that you know about? Not in front of me, no. Okay. All right. So I want to ask you about the photograph. You know what a lace front is? Objection, relevant ground. I'll rule the objection. You can answer it. Do you know what a lace front is? Uh, I imagine it's something similar to a wig, I guess. Kind of a wig, right? Yes. You know what it means when someone says uh, someone has blonde hair? Yeah, they have blonde hair. Yeah. Look to, you, look to your left. See the young lady? Uh, yes. Okay. Blonde hair, right? Yes. Okay. Um, let me see. Young lady sitting here at the, at the table, um, closest to me, to my left, with the, uh, the jacket on. Dark black hair, right? Yes. Okay. There's a difference between black hair and blonde hair. True? Yes. You know what a ponytail is? Genuine is when the hair is tied in a ponytail, yeah. There you go. Tied to the back, right? That is correct. All right. So if you were looking, for example, at the lady right next to you, uh, to your left, uh, you would say that her hair is not in a ponytail. Her hair is just kind of flowing freely and luxuriously, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, do you know... Um, what it means when uh, someone, a woman, is described as heavy-chested. Yes. Okay. What, what would you What would you imagine that? To, not imagine. What would that be if you were to describe a woman as heavy-chested? What would What would your description be? I guess. It would be. If he knows, I'm become a, relevant. I'm going to sustain that. What's relevant? I'll move on. All right, thank you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Are you, um... Do me a favor if, if you would, uh, respectfully. Uh, States Exhibit 124C. We can put that up, please. Or 125. Either one. Whichever one has, you can get two quickest. All right, that's good. 124C. Um... All right, so we're looking at the person that, that you would say is Jeffrey Williams based on the book and photograph, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, you cannot see his chest in this uh, this photograph, can you? No, I cannot. Just kind of down to the neck. All right. Um, and the way you described his hair is it looks like he has dreads, dreadlocks, right? Yes. Okay. One second, please. Yes, sir. 
you describe his skin tone? Would you describe him as light skin or dark skin? I imagine dark skin. Okay. Like me, right? I'm, I'm, you consider me to be dark skin. True? Yeah, I guess so. Yourself to be light skinned, light complected, whatever the term is. I'm not that light. Not that light, you're brown. <laughs> light brown. Alright? Alright, but, but I mean, just to be clear, I mean, seriously, looking at that picture, this is the picture of a dark skinned man with dreadlocks. With dark colored dreadlocks. True? <laughs> yes. Alright. It was Captain, right? That is correct. That's all I got. Thank you, sir. Anything further? Yes, Captain Page. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good. Can I take a look at 169? Yeah. Captain Page, uh, good afternoon again, sir. Good afternoon. Uh, I want to direct your attention to States Exhibit 171M. Uh, when did you, did, did you pull this particular uh, exhibit from Odyssey? Uh, initially, when I was subpoenaed, yes, because I needed to see who I was being subpoenaed for. Okay. So you did not know before you were subpoenaed that you would be testifying or talking about Mr. Marquavius Huey, correct? I did not know. That's correct. Okay. You certainly did not uh, take the booking photo, correct? I did not. You did not enter this information into uh, Odyssey, correct? That is correct. To tell this jury, what is Odyssey? Odyssey is a platform that we use to um, actually keep track of booking, reports, um, incident reports, um, arrest, and various other things that we use to, to track inmate movement and things of that nature. So there's a human being that actually enters information basically into a software program, correct? That is correct. And you call it Odyssey, correct? Yes. Uh, now, when I Bless you. Bless you. Whenever someone is arrested, uh, Captain Page, uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, in another state, generally speaking, that person is photographed, and we call it a bookend photo, correct? Yes. And uh, Mr. Huey, he got arrested. He took a bookend photo, correct? That is correct. If you were to get arrested, there would be a bookend photo of you, correct? That is correct. If President Trump was arrested, there would be a bookend photo of him, correct? A booking photo certainly doesn't mean that a person committed a crime, does it? A booking photo means that they have been, been taken into our custody and booked into the Fulton County Jail. It means they're arrested, correct? That is correct. It doesn't mean that uh, they actually committed any act, does it? They have been arrested, but on this innocent proven guilty. That's right. Now, these, these charges that are located on this particular document, this Odyssey printout, these are the charges that the particular officer uh, gave that particular person when they arrested them, correct? I imagine so, yes. Right. And 
You don't know, as you sit here today, how this particular, uh, each one of these charges, how they resulted uh, ultimately in court, correct? No, 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 no the disposition. And with respect to uh, the dispositions, this was a this was a Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County arrest, correct? Well, APD arrested them, so yes. And when a person is arrested by APD, that person is uh, charged and prosecuted by the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. If there's going to be a prosecution.